ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek, 5 foot 11, 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous, 5 foot 11, 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication. Turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. And we're back with exciting news. Yes, we are now professional. We have a sponsor for the show, which is awesome for us, but even more awesome for you. Indeed, because who doesn't love a sweet, sweet online shopping discount code? And in this case, it's an online shopping discount code that gets you delicious coffee delivered to your doorstep. From our good friends, Prism Coffee, who are four Canberra lads who I've known for a while. Uh, who've all worked in and around the specialty coffee industry for some time now and now uh, out on their own they've got a roaster they're roasting beans uh, and just generally kicking ass with delicious coffee so john how do the people get this amazing discount you speak of go to their website which is prismcoffee.com.au pick from the couple of different blends and some single origins that they've got. You can get it ground, you can get it in whole beans if you prefer to grind your own. They've got all of the options. Uh, and then you use the code PEAKSPEAK in the discount bit of the shopping cart and uh, you'll get a sneaky 10% off and it'll rock up on your doorstep in some amount of time. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I think they express post everything, so hopefully quickly. Perfect. Amazing. And well, that's it. Without further ado, here's, here's the episode. Yeah. Enjoy. Presented by Thomas Lilly and John Sheridan, Baby Cry in the Background, not included. Fit record, even though you've still got a fucking mouthful of food, you disgusting pig. I've got one more to go. Sweet potato heaven. <laughs> I switched from rice to sweet potato recently after having rice for so many years, and it feels like a whole new food group. A whole new world has opened up to me. Think of all that vitamin A. <laughs> so, for those of you unfamiliar with the podcast, that delicious voice you just heard does not belong to Mr. John Sheridan. It's our guest for the day, Drew Spriggs. Ladies and gentlemen, say hello. Hi, how are you all doing? Thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, it will be good to talk some smack with you guys. That's pretty much exclusively what this podcast is about. Yep. Yep. That's sort of what I figured. So, perfect. <laughs> Excellent. Nice. I'd say something now, but I can't be bothered because I just ate and now I feel like sleeping. But <laughs> we'll do what we always do and just palm it off to you and make you the king of the podcast. So tell us about, excuse me, tell us about yourself, Drew. Um, uh, people in Brisbane probably know you because you've been in strength sports and powerlifting forever. Uh, people around the country in strongman probably know you, but we get powerlifters more than anything. And powerlifters really don't care about strongmen. For a good reason, I think. <laughs> uh, however, we can we can dissect this through the podcast. Uh, no, tell us about yourself, man. Uh, how'd you get into lifting? Tell us about your gym. Tell us everything. Um, so I own Valhalla Strength South Brisbane. Um, so the other Valhalla in Brisbane, we're sort of the more strongman focused one. Um, we do powerlifting. We have powerlifting gear. We have powerlifters. More strongman than anything. Run quite a few competitions and yeah, that sort of thing. 
Yeah, sweet man. And where did it all start for you? How did you find yourself getting involved in strength sports in the first place? Um, that is a very good question. I think I drunkenly sent a message to Ben Polk back in the day <laughs> when I was not training. Um, attempted to sign up for his gym thinking he was Scott. It was after a very big night out. The idea had been floated past me and I thought, yeah, this is great. This will do. Um, yeah. Jesus. So that that will probably tell you how many years ago it was. Um, yeah. I, fa- I found a Gold Coast barbell shirt as we were going through a pile of old powerlifting shirts that I have stuffed away in a corner the other day. Yeah, I've, nice, I've nice. got lots of Gold Coast barbell relics here because Ben trains here now, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so, wait, did so did you know Ben and Scott then through like OzBB? No, I think I knew them through Boost Cruising a car forum. I think oh, okay. I'm, I'm not 100%. It was a long time ago. I can't 100% remember. Am uh, I the anyway, only strength per- sports person who's not fucking interested in cars? No, two of us. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I messaged I don't quite remember how it happens. Uh, and I ended up signing up um, at what was PDC Brisbane probably two days later. Um, after. I'd- and was that the yeah. Kalanga one or they'd moved to Northgate by then? No, that was the, the first Northgate. So V2, yep. I guess. Yep. M- Melton Road, um, yeah. I walked in, Alessa on Fire was playing. I was like, yep, this is my gym. I found my people because <laughs> uh, I was a huge fan of those guys. And yeah, that was, that was it. That's where I got started. Yeah, awesome. So that was that. did you start then training for powerlifting or were you doing powerlifting and strongman at the same time or did strongman come later? Um, that's a very good question. I honestly don't remember. Um, I think I was probably doing powerlifting to start with, but I was more interested in the strongman side of things. Um, but in those days, there weren't that many people doing it. So I didn't really know how to get started. I was just sort of making up stuff as I went. Mm. It certainly seemed like that the strongman popularity has increased as the number of people who seem to be of the same era as us have like developed through powerlifting and then discovered or wanted to discover things in it. It certainly seemed like powerlifting boomed really quickly and strongman's kind of catching up to that but then i'm also not as involved in the strongman world so i don't know it as well yeah i I definitely agree with that i think the issue is historically strongman has had less people uh with organizational abilities behind it um we saw a lot of growth in powerlifting through scott through all those guys that were running competitions running federations um promoting the sport where i think historically that's been sort of lacking in uh strongman Mm. Uh, but it's getting there we're seeing growth constantly even through COVID, um, our novice comps are sold out basically all the time. Mm. Um, so the growth is still there. I think it just needs a couple more years to mature and then, yeah, we kick off from that. It's always seemed a little bit catty. Um, uh, but I, I like, what, I mean, because powerlifting is renowned for a complete <laughs> lack of drama <laughs> and everyone just getting along really well. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the point, though. Think of me <laughs> saying something else is catty. Like, that's, <laughs> that goes to say something. Um, uh, there was a certain individual that obviously screwed a whole bunch of strongmen over. Uh, I feel like when that happened, that it that it fractured the sport way harder than when it happened with the same person in powerlifting like five or six years later. Uh, that may have been because of the federation they chose to run in powerlifting, but I, I wasn't involved in strongman enough back then to know how influential that moment was. Was that a big thing that kind of split it up? Um, Load it down? Probably, probably yes and no. Um, it sort of depends what level you were competing at. I was when I was competing, I was just sort of doing local comps and having a bit of fun. I'd say 
probably the majority of people weren't interested in politics, just wanted to compete, just want to have a good time mm-hmm. uh, and go from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, but I mean like uh, – so I signed up for my first powerlifting comp because I went to sign up for a strongman comp and I, I was one day late for registrations and they wouldn't let me in. Yep. Um, that, it's an interesting fact about that. Jackson Murray competed in that strongman competition. So he was like 16 or something. That, that, that's yeah, how yeah, it yeah. was ages ago at, um, at the Sleeman complex. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah. I've, I've been aware of strongman for a long time, but, have only you know paid a lot of attention to it in the last sort of four or five years and it seems like since people like yourself and people like chad have come in and started to run things like you said in a far more organized fashion uh that it's facilitated the growth way more and also like um you know certain people getting involved in it and then you know creating the facility for people to to access this stuff so like yourself in, in brisbane you know now people have a place they can go to where they can do strongman. It makes it so much more accessible for people. So um, what do you think came first in that regard then? Do you think it was the interest in strongman facilitated more comps happening or did facilitating more comps start to push uh, the interest in strongman or impossible to say? Um, definitely both. Um, I think we notice when we run competitions, especially amateur level competitions, novice classes, we get a lot of CrossFitters, get a lot of uh, cross-sport people coming in. Um, so a bunch of different stuff, weightlifters. They see it and go, great, that's cool. I want to do that. Um, and also once the interest is there, then you can run bigger competitions. You can run better venues. You can get slightly more organized. You can pay helpers. Um, so you can put on bigger and better competitions. So, yeah, they both sort of feed into each other. Mm, yeah, cool. And your gym has a bit of an interesting history. Can you sort of talk us through... Uh, I guess the beginnings of it in worlds and then how it ended up in uh, as a standalone thing. Yeah. So um, we originally um, PTC Brisbane, it was at that stage split off um, and opened up inside world gym at uh, Yurong Pili. Um, and I had the opportunity just to coach out of there. Um, so I was doing that for a while and it was probably, I'd say the, the gym itself in terms of uh, PTC at that stage was powerlifting focus. My focus was always on strongman just because it's way more enjoyable. Um, I find competitions better. I find, uh, yeah, way more entertaining. So we sort of ran a couple of powerlifting competitions, a couple of strongman competitions, eventually got to a point where, you know, you, most people would have been to a world gym. They know what world gym's like. Mm. But that's not really conducive to a, uh, the sort of atmosphere that I liked and we liked. Um, so, yeah, we opened a, a standalone place started 2017. Um, we became, I think, we changed from PTC to Valhalla Strength South Brisbane when we split. Uh, and yeah, we've moved once in December, basically in the same building, same area. Mm. Uh, yeah, just growing from there. And you've expanded, right? You started in a very small section of that building have you, and you've now taken over a, a bigger section. Is that right? Yeah, we moved. Um, we were like basically just in a shed. It's just a warehouse, the building. Um, and there was a, weirdly enough of all things, an African church on the other side of the building that just decided to not pay rent for a while. Um, which was a bit of a strange setup. And, yeah, we were given the opportunity to take over that side and went, yep, yeah, cool, that's what we want. Um, so, yeah, we got a heap of room offices, got some new coaches in, a physio. Um, so, yeah, it's been great. And we have heaps of room to do events in. We have a 2,500 square metre car park. So yeah, it's wow. uh, very good for running around. Yeah, yeah, all the work, all the room for activities. So much room for activities. <laughs> that definitely seems to have been one of the uh... – factors in 
like the accessibility of strongman stuff that I've I've noticed over the last few years is people who like traditionally you need a lot of equipment like and relatively specialist sort of hard to come by equipment that uh, makes training hard, but you also need a fuckload of space to be able to train it effectively. And I think for a lot of them, like a lot of places, including my own gym, like we had strongman gear that always kind of got shunted to the side because we ended up putting more powerlifting gear in, like we needed more yeah, benches yeah. and more racks and stuff. And then, having now uh, like an actual yard to to leave be able to leave the strongman gear in its own spot and not have to like pack it up and you know undo it all and put it back together again every time you want to be want it to be used makes life so much easier when it comes to that sort of thing yeah for sure um talking to guys like matt eichholzer who's been around the sport for years um he's told me stories of they training random car parks at gyms for like five six years um this gym would have some equipment or they know somebody Somebody would bring some equipment in on a weekend. They'd literally be training in a car park out the side of the building somewhere. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, that sort of – that does appeal to a lot of people. But so I think you've got to change your focus if you want the sport to grow. You've yeah. actually got to get some standardization and get some equipment in, get some people that want to drive the sport. Mm. Yeah. I mean, same reason down the Gold Coast. I've, I moved into a bigger place, got a bit more room and added some strongman stuff, but then the powerlifting stuff is, you know, that's our, that's our baby down here. And it's, it's yeah, just like sure. keeps growing and growing and growing and pushes the strongman stuff. It's just so fucking annoying to store. Nothing's, nothing's <laughs> uniform. Nothing just goes like on a rack. And if like, put a log in a upright barbell sort of rack position and it's the fucking heaviest thing you've ever had to move in your life. They're the worst. Anyway. Actually, yeah, while we're sure. on that, while we're on that note, what's the best way to store a log? Because I've got a whole bunch of them that we're working out. We're just like finishing building an outdoor shed that we can store all our equipment in. And uh, I don't know what I'm doing about logs. Yeah, so I've got a um, a vertical um, log holder. So it holds okay. four axles, six logs, and the floor space is like one point two by eight fifty or something. So it's got quite a smaller floor area. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, I'll, I'll send you a photo. Yeah, man. Because I've seen a ver- <laughs> I, we had a like a vertical uh, barbell thing in it for a while, and one of the logs ended up the like arm got bent on it because the the vertical holder was really <laughs> shit, and it it yeah. actually bent itself over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, they are certainly uh, painful to deal with. I mean, you get a strongman gym, you get some more room, you no longer have room. Something <laughs> yeah. will take something will take up that area. So. Mm. It's like a that like fluid that expands to take up the space that it's in. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what strongman equipment is. Yeah. Mm. Cool, cool, cool. Well, we should probably talk about uh, what we're supposed to talk about, which, um, you know, Drew had the idea of, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, talking about, you know, coaching at strongman competitions or how to do strongman better kind of thing because he observes a lot of people from a powerlifting background not really knowing what they're doing when they're, they're coming to uh, strongman competitions. So how to do strongman competitions better um, otherwise better known as wasting your time. Uh, take it away. <laughs> <Drew>. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's not just in terms of coaching, just in terms of competing better. Um, yep. A lot of people sort of look after themselves at competitions, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But I see a lot of the same mistakes people make over and over and over. Um, and yeah, for somebody who runs a lot of competitions, sees a lot of competitors, there are certainly ways you can make things better for yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so top mistakes, start, start guiding us through it. So the, I think if your background is powerlifting going to strongman, the biggest thing you need to get your head around is, so in powerlifting, you outsquat somebody by 50 kilos, you have the 50 kilo lead off their total. 
Uh, in strongman, if you're in one event, you say to max deadlift, you deadlift 50 kilos more than the second person, you might have a one-point advantage. Mm. Um, and if there's 10 or 15 competitors in your division, that's a lot of effort to get a one-point advantage mm-hmm. where you might have only needed five kilos, two and a half kilos to beat them the exact same lead. Um, if you've got five events or six events on that day, you could be saving your energy and uh, investing it better in the better events. Mm-hmm. I'd say so, that, that's probably one of the, yeah, sorry. Uh, just for someone who doesn't know, or for anyone who doesn't know how a strongman comp would be scored, can you just explain a bit more about that part of the process? Because it's obviously very different to powerlifting where it's like just take number A plus B plus C equals a total. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, there's a few different ways to do it. It really <laughs> depends on the competition. But typically there we are five events. Um, how we do scoring is uh, just called reverse scoring. So if you uh, win an event, you get one point. If you're second, you get three. Uh, third, three. Uh, yeah, you get my point. Um, so that could be time. It could be reps. It could be max weight. There's a whole bunch of different ways you could be winning that event. Um, and you can also get tired. So if you tie on an event um, and there's no other ways to split the competitors, whether it's time or whether it's uh, attempt number, Wessel's rule, something like that, um, you actually get split points. So if first and second tie, you both get one and a half points. Hmm. So it's like golf in the end, we're aiming for lowest lowest score wins by the end of the day. Yeah, with reverse scoring, it is that way. Um, you can go the other direction. So if you win, you get uh, points equal to the amount of competitors in your division. So if there's eight competitors in your division that you're competing against, you get eight points for first. One point for last, hmm. uh, zero points for zero. So it really depends on which way you want to run the competitions. It's it pretty much ends up the same. There are strengths and weaknesses to both systems, um, but in terms of keeping track of scores, I think the reverse scoring system we use is, is it's probably the better one. Hmm. Yeah, I think so, it's analogous to golf in many ways. Like um, it's hard to do. It's boring to watch. You wear weird clothes. <laughs> I'm, my plan is to essentially roast strongman the entire time, by the way. And be, I'm okay with that. And, and be as, as, as least helpful as possible. I mean, that, but that's good. I mean, and that, uh, like, I can see how many people would make that mistake of being like, fuck yeah, I'm a deadlifter because I'm a powerlifter. Let's go fucking hard and then just waste all their energy doing way more work than they have to do, which, I mean, is a simple mistake to avoid by, you know, knowing how to do the sport, like reading the rule book or understanding the rules before you go into it, right? Oh, reading the rule book is probably the number one thing people do wrong, or not reading the rule book. <laughs> um, the amount of competitions I run where I say, hey, these are the rules. Everybody gets a copy of the rule book to start with. Uh, most coaches should have an idea what the rules are. I run through the rules of the event when the event starts, and then they still do something wrong. Mm. You can't hold everybody's hand to every event. So, yeah, it's just taking some initiative, reading the rules, make sure you understand. If you don't understand, ask a question. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with asking a question. And then, what, so what, what about uh, what's the the next most common sort of uh, mistake that people make coming into strongman competitions for the first time? Um, I'd say not being prepared for the events um, or being overly prepared for the events. So it's like the whole specificity argument. Um, you want to have done the event a few times so you know what the implement is, you know how to move with it, you know how to score points, but you don't want to be just doing that because strongman has a benefit of, well, I say a benefit, not really. It's not uncommon for events or rules to change on the day. Uh, equipment can break. The you know the service you're competing on might change. Um, a whole bunch of different stuff can happen. So you need to be sort of more generalized in that sense that you're sort of prepared for anything. 
Um, that doesn't happen as often now, especially now that there are quite a few promoters running good competitions, good equipment. Uh, but when everything is sort of in the backyard, you never really know what's going to happen. Um, the, one, the one and only strongman comp I did, uh, there was a truck push and it was on grass with like a, you know, a moderate sized tip uh, truck. And yeah. so I, I had assumed it would be on grass. So I had brought like my rugby cleats that actually was quite effective and B happened to be like third or fourth. By the time we got to like sixth or seventh, the truck had put such a big divot, like a <laughs> meter and a half into the grass that everyone got exactly the same distance. Like I just happened yeah. to get past that because the divot wasn't quite as intense by the time I got to it. Yeah. That's happened at one of my competitions too. Um, and you know, as a promoter, you learn from that. <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah. I've heard stories like uh, a, a deadlift pulled on grass where by the fourth or fifth competitors, they'll pull from a four inch deficit because um, the plates have gone <laughs> yeah. that far into the ground. Um, so yeah, that sort of stuff does happen. You just hope as a promoter, you sort of have an idea what's going to happen and prepare for that. But I mean, but, you know, anything can happen at the end of the day. But before that, like when, when, when things would sometimes go wrong and you have to change events, do you go in with a contingency plan of what event to do if something goes wrong or do you just, because especially for you, right, you've made a lot of the equipment for your own events where there might be a question mark of like, is this thing going to hold up to the test on the day? Um, do you go in with a contingency plan or do you just get creative on the day and, and work it out? Uh, both, it depends. I usually have some sort of contingency, but I also over-engineer everything I make. <laughs> so, um, you know, the things do break. Things It does happen, but most of the time it shouldn't. And I'm, I'm usually prepared for it. Um, yeah. So do you think that uh, like over over preparedness or sort of over application of specificity extends outside of just the immediate lead up to competition? I've, I feel like I've seen a lot of people over the last few years get into strongman without much of a like lifting background and then be like, oh, well, I'll just train events all the time and then never actually make any progress because of that. Yeah, 100%. Um pretty much anybody I coach will be doing just events for the competition four weeks the max. Um, all the other time is spent front squatting, overhead pressing, deadlifting, stiff leg deadlifting, carries, getting more conditions. Um, so I think that is probably a more beneficial way to train for most people. There are some events we keep in year round. Um, carries, any sort of overhead pressing is very beneficial. But stuff like heavy yoke, it just beats you up too much. It's the most overrated event on this planet. For some reason, everybody loves training it and it just beats you to a pulp. So in terms of like way too much specificity, doing heavy yoke all the time is probably the worst thing you can do. It um, takes I'm, so much time too. Like you got to yeah. get the yoke out. You got to put like 300 kilos worth of plates on it. And- uh, it's ridiculous. Um, classic <laughs> example, um, Alison Dan of Tasmania, a uh, competition a few years ago. She had a max yoke. I think in training we hit maybe 220 was the max. Uh, we did that once. There was three, four weeks out. The rest was really light work, uh, working on being fast, building up some volume that way. Um, she hit 275, 280 on the day um, and won that by a mile just because she wasn't beat up. So that's the biggest thing. Strongman events do beat you up a lot more than a squat or a deadlift does. Yeah, it's really interesting. I talk through in, in my coach development system at, in program design, we do a session on, on strongman stuff. And it's not me trying to sound like an expert on strongman stuff. It's more like, how do we apply this, the, the principles of getting stronger? And the, the one big thing that, you know, people who are used to coaching, uh, you know, the power lifts for lack of a better word, 
um, really fail to recognize is the additional variables that come in with strongman programming. So things like, okay, well, you don't just have weight move from point A to point B. You've also got speed, distance, time. You've got these other factors that you can play with. Um, and when you don't think of it like that, when you don't think of how you can scale those things up and down, like perfect example that everyone screws up is like, okay, you've got an AMRAP uh, or you've got as many deadlifts as you can do in 60 seconds at this particular way at the comp how are you going to train for it and everyone's like okay i'm going to amrap it this way then that right then that way and that way over eight weeks I'm like you've just said you're going to max out every week for eight weeks how do you think that's going to feel when you go to do the competition it's like um it's really cool to uh to i guess visualize the differences in training when you're looking at something like strongman and i can see how so many people would make that mistake of being hyper specific for too long yeah definitely um yeah, that deadlifting, that's something I see all the time. Um, training for an MRAP deadlift or training for max reps log, all they're doing is you know, max reps deadlift, max reps log, mm. um, which there is benefit to that for very short term, but it's not something you can be doing all the time because it just it flogs you too much. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You got to think, and, like if you're doing an MRAP, if you can do 10 reps and you fail on the 11th, at that point in time, your 10th rep was your one, one rep max. You just maxed out. Well done. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot more to consider. Um, but then at the end of the day, you know, as long as you're doing the event, you're training sort of how you want to compete. Um, in terms of programming, it's pretty hard to go wrong as long as you're not doing too much, not doing too little. So it, it's, I can see from a coaching perspective, if you're not familiar, it can be a little bit overwhelming, but just try some stuff. Mm-hmm. Don't kill your clients, obviously, but um, yeah, there's a whole bunch, bunch of different stuff you can do to uh, make people stronger, faster, fitter. And so can you give us a bit of an idea of the landscape of how someone would then find strongman and then progress through the sport? Like, you know, in powerlifting, obviously we go novice comp, then maybe like a federation and then nationals, et cetera. Um, is it a very similar setup in strongman? Are there a whole bunch of different federations? Like how does all that stuff work? Yeah. So that was um, when I started out running competitions, that's something I really wanted to sort of create. Um, at that stage, in early days, there was no real, set pathway like there was if you sort of knew somebody and you competed a bunch of times you could maybe get an invite somewhere um but it was nothing really structured so we actually created a federation uh i think six years ago uh so sort of a similar setup to how gpc was so you have like feeder entry-level competitions get people involved in the sport from there you join the federation you do uh, local qualifiers the equivalent to states move on to nationals and then there are opportunities from nationals uh, we're affiliated with official strongman games, um, United States Strongman Pro Women's World, a few other big competitions around the world. And we've set a bunch of competitors to those uh, competitions and they've typically done really, really well. So, yeah, um, a lot of Aussies are just killing it on the world stage. How many, how many like big feds are there internationally? Like, is there one, like, you know, world's strongest man, is is that the pinnacle? Is that a federation or is that just like an invite-only pro role kind of deal? I, I really don't understand how it works internationally. So okay. World's Strongest Man <clears throat> is not as much competition as it is a TV show. Mm-hmm. It was set up to be a TV show. It was never about the competition. It was about creating drama. Um, and you see with guys like Eddie Hall, you know, they're heels. They're heels from wrestling. That's exactly what they are, which is why there's all this argy-bargy and, you know, they're, they're mortal enemies and it's just advertising. That's, that's all it is, which is fine. Like some people like that. Personally, I don't really care for it. It doesn't really do anything for me. Um, so worldwide, there's a whole bunch of different uh, higher level competitions. There's official strongman games, which is 
sort of the equivalent of world's strongest man, but for all weight classes. Um, but it is actually a competition. So if you win that in your weight class, you can call yourself a world's strongest 90, world's strongest whatever. Um, it's United States Strongman, which is one of the other federations. They run their pro women's worlds, um, which they do have quite a lot of prize money, which is good. Um, the competition's been a bit hit and miss, but overall, I think the federation is really pushing in the right direction. Um, we had Alison, as I was talking about before. Um, she's killed it. I think she won a few years ago. A couple of Aussies have been over there and uh, had a good time competing. Uh, I think there's um, North American Strongman or Strongman Corporation, which they're sort of tied in with the Arnolds in the States. Um, as far as I'm con- that was the last thing I heard they were tied in. There's a whole lot of political stuff going on over there. Um, so there's a bunch of different federations around the world. There's Giants Live over that's more sort of Europe focused. Um, really enough, Europe doesn't really have federations. It just has competitions. Mm. Um, the way that's set up over there is quite strange to me. Um, yeah, nobody wants to be in a federation, which I don't really get. But anyway, Europeans, man, I don't, I don't get them. Um, so yeah, there's a whole bunch of different federations and competitions around the world. So yeah, it's um, just depends on what you want to do. I had a question, but it's completely left my head. I have cool. a question. Is that sign for the sale behind you, by the way? My sign? Yeah. No. Why would my sign be for sale? I don't know. Everyone else is asking you if stuff in the background of your photos is for sale all the time. <laughs> yeah, for those that don't know, I uh, have been harassed constantly for years about stuff I've sold. Whether uh, That is the most niche in joke we've had on this podcast in some time and i'm about that life it's got to be up there at least you didn't ask me for kettlebells which was a uh, a famous I was famous question I, yeah i figured a famous question i received once out of the blue um person was insistent i sold kettlebells and i did not so yeah that is a thing that happens we got it heaps we sold it we got a whole bunch of new equipment uh, through COVID and we sold a bunch of equipment and it would happen every time. What about the flooring? What about like the fucking, the child in the background? Is that for sale? I'll buy that too. Like it's, <laughs> everyone just wanted everything. They were like animals. It was, a, it was a nightmare through COVID. We had probably two, three questions a day. Oh, are you selling the gym? No, like we're not going anywhere. <laughs> and we just lent all our equipment out to members. So yeah. yeah. And didn't you just lock yourself in your garage and start making equipment for everyone else? Yeah, I am. Um, I built a lot of squat stands and yeah, I was doing 60, 70 hours a week of building equipment. So mm-hmm. I was thankful I was in a position where I could do that and you know keep the gym running pretty well yeah. just by building equipment at home. So. so let's plug that as well. Cause you've made me a bunch of strongman stuff down here. Like I think, um, I think all, all the logs I have between both gyms are, are Drew Spriggs in, in one way or another. Um, do you, you do you run? Is that dreadnought? Is that still a separate entity, or do you put do it under another name? Do you are you still making equipment that people can buy? Yeah, I still am making equipment. Um, I haven't for a while because I've had so many competitions on. Um, but yeah, I'm still making stuff under dreadnought strength equipment. Mm-hmm. It just there wasn't a lot of equipment rounds, and there wasn't that many people making it. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that people were making years and years ago, um, it was either really expensive or it wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. Um, that still so seems just, to be the case in some aspects yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's some really good manufacturers out there now um, a lot of smaller guys doing really good work um, I have a local CrossFit guy who makes stones he does a really good job and they're super cheap um, I don't actually know how he sells them for that cheap um, but they're great stones uh, yeah there's heaps of people around doing a good job mm. 
not just a bunch of dudes in their backyard figuring shit out so it can break halfway through a competition like it was like 10 years ago. <laughs> that that uh, that does happen um, still, unfortunately, which is something that we saw during COVID. We saw wooden squat racks. We saw um, Bunnings, uh, Bunnings, like broom hooks were being used as squat stands. Um, yeah, it was, it was a wild west out there for a while. So hopefully nobody got hurt in some of the real sketchy shit I saw happening. Uh, I'm 100% sure people got hurt. <laughs> there were some dodgy ass setups. Uh, there was some, yeah. I said the wild, wild west out there for a while. Hopefully, it's getting better now, so everybody's getting back to normal. Yeah, cool. Well, I mean, like that gives us a really good general broad overview of, um, I guess, the strongman landscape in Australia, and uh, some some tips for for newcomers to the sport in terms of finding the sport and, and common mistakes to make. Do you have anything to add to all of that? Any any final message on? strong man that you'd like to send the masses um only sort of the the common misconception that you know strong men is all six foot 450 kilo guys um i had an interview on the the abc the other day and that's pretty much what they thought about the sport where majority of people competing women um i'd say a lot of our competitions majority women um small weight classes 90s 105s typically do really well they're the the bigger weight classes um just give it a go sign up to a competition Find somewhere that's got some equipment, give it a crack, see if you like it. If, if you like powerlifting, you'll probably like strongman. So, Because there's often beer at the competitions, which is actually my the only saving grace for strongman in my books <laughs> is the competitions are often co-located with bars and I'm down for that. Yeah, it does happen. We were sponsored uh, the competition the other day by a brewery and barbecue place. So it's just a match made in heaven. Yeah, absolute match made in heaven. <clears throat> the capital strongman guys do a comp every year at uh, an Oktoberfest event yeah, that I'll... happens in Canberra, and it's I I go and I call it a work event, and I drink several <laughs> beers and eat Dagwood dogs and just generally stand around in the sun. It's great. You wear your kilt. Uh, I don't because Mike is often wearing his kilt, and it looks a bit too. Uh, like we're coordinating intentionally. I try and save should. that for... We have. Should. Like we, we have <laughs> on numerous occasions before. Increasingly, as I get older, I'm less inclined to be the guy wearing the kilt in a spectacle kind of fashion like that, whereas Mike's yep. all about it. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all. Mike is the best. So, yep, yes. that is something that happens. Hmm. Cool. Are we well, going to do some questions then, Thomas? Yeah. Is that our plan? Hit it. I fucking, I just go completely blank every time we have to think about these questions. Uh, we need a, a favorite lifting memory is our first question. And having competed yourself, but also done a lot of coaching, generally we like to get like a, your competing experience memory slash favorite thing. And then a uh, like coaching or, you know, favorite memory of an athlete or, or in your case, like could be a competition you ran or something like that. Um, in terms of me competing, i probably say only because it was the most ridiculous thing I've done. I competed in Toowoomba a few years ago, um, which is quite warm. It was on Australia Day. It was mid-30s. We're on a hill at a pub. Uh, I competed and drank two litres of chocolate milk and a litre of orange juice while I was competing. Um, <laughs> only because it threw off the competitors so much because it was the most ridiculous thing I've done. Um, That's mind I mean, games I, to a new level. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even compete that well, but look, in terms of messing with people's heads, that was up there. Um, it was if just sort of, if you can't win with you know actual strength and technique skill. and skill, yeah, yep. just, just just mentally psych up. people out. Yeah, I Perfect. like it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, in terms of running competitions, probably the 
Uh, I'd say we did a record breakers event at the ECA uh, 2019. Um, so having, you know, a huge crowd of people watching events was cool. And we had um, some special needs guys coming down and doing some deadlifts and to see them in front of a big crowd, that was, uh, that, that, that was pretty good. That's probably one of my favorite things I've ever done. Um, just getting those guys up to a big stage. So yeah, I'd say that that'd be it. Was that in conjunction with Michael Adams? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we typically get those guys along a lot of our events because um, all his team are just uh, so good to watch. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and those kids love putting on a show. Like they're, mm. they're all showmen and show women. So yeah, the, the big staunch walk-offs and the Hulk smash afterwards, <laughs> it's just the best. Absolutely and the best. So good. Anyone listening, we, we did an episode with a guy named Michael Adams uh, quite a while back. It would be, a, a, uh, you know, maybe six months or even a year ago. Um, yeah. He works pr- exclusively with uh, disabled people. Uh, and yeah, he's he's got a heart of gold and he's just a great guy and has great stories. So go back and listen to that. He's the most offensively nice person I've ever come across in my life. It is disgusting how much of a good bloke he is. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely yep, yep. disgusting. To, humility to the point of being annoying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. Next question is, if you were to have dinner with anyone on earth, they have to be alive right now. You can pick their brain about anything. Who would it be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, most of the, the big name guys and strong man, and strength sports in general, I guess, who I've been interested in meeting. I've actually met and had food with. Um, yeah. Doesn't have to be strongman or strength sports related. It can be like band member, can be a philosopher. It can be me. It can be whoever you want. <laughs> uh, I'd probably say Thomas Lilly. Um, no, I, I honestly have no idea. Uh, no idea whatsoever. Yeah, no, I'd, and if you don't understand, you, you, no idea is not an answer. You have to come up with a name immediately. Yeah. We'll sit here in uh, silence quite happily. <laughs> um, alive now? Yep. Yes. Oh, you're killing me. What, if, killing what me. if they were dead? Who would it be? Uh, actually, no, I, I know exactly who uh, Devin Townsend, musician, um, guy from Strapping Young Lad. He's just the most underrated musician in the world. Um, yeah, anybody who knows metal will know him and know exactly why I'm saying that. He just He's like your awkward dad. Is anybody's awkward dad who is the most insanely talented dude on the planet? Sweet. Yeah. There you go. Good answer. Uh, number three is what's something that you would have held as a firm line in the sand kind of belief that in the last, let's say, 12 months, you've changed your mind on? These questions. I thought you said you had no questions. Where's this? Where's this coming from? No, no. We, these are our standard guest questions that we <laughs> thought up once in something like fucking 2017 when we first interviewed Nathan Jones, and ah, uh, okay. It's carried on since then. Um, I wouldn't say it's in the last 12 months, but in the last couple of yeah, years, a like, little while. Yeah, I'd say so much stuff in training doesn't matter. Like, uh, it, it's like the whole um, Dunning-Kruger. You, when you start out, you think, okay, this is what it is. This is exactly how it is. And then when you learn more, you're like, oh, I don't actually know anything. Um, it's just so much stuff doesn't matter. And it's, um, yeah, that'd be it. As, as long as you're in the gym having fun, you're probably going to make progress somehow. And the last question is, one piece of advice to a new lifter starting out in strongman and the answer cannot be get a coach. Um, I just say enjoy yourself. Uh, I see a lot of people getting hung up 
not doing what they want to do, um, not hitting the numbers they want to hit. And you, you, if you want to be doing it successfully, you want to be doing it for 10, 15 years at least. Um, so if you're having fun, that's fine. You're probably going to be enjoying it. You're going to be more consistent. Um, you're going to get around better people. Um, so, yeah, just have fun. Enjoy yourself. Awesome. Happy All right. Drew Spriggs, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, Valhalla Strength South Brisbane on basically everything. Um, Dreadnought Strength Equipment on basically everything. Cool, cool. That's it. Find, find Drew, follow the gym, buy some equipment, and uh, we love you all and we'll see you next time. And occasionally harass his for sale pages. Yes, definitely do that. <laughs> thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for your time. No problem. Thanks, guys. All right.